The term boots on the ground usually denotes that action is being taken, that something is being done, unless we're talking about Aaron O'Neill and the Appalachian Legacy Initiative. And quite literally, when we say boots on the ground, we mean her boots, as she is on the ground every day up in the mountains of Appalachia working with horses that the world has basically forgotten. From mineral supplementation to medical care to rounding up bachelor stallions, it is Erin, her pickup truck, and her dogs doing 99% of the work. So when she accepted a partnership with this show, I was more than elated. And she's not paying me. I just want to help. This is how ingrained this subject is to me. As an ethnic Appalachian and a lover of horses, how could I not want to play some role in what's transpiring in Kentucky and West Virginia. So if you want to be part of the amazing work that Aaron's doing, there's going to be a link to the Appalachian Legacy Initiative in the show notes of this episode. And I invite everyone to go click it. Even if you don't donate, just read a little bit of the work that she's doing. And you're going to gain a whole new appreciation for what it means to be a horseman. One of my most beloved sponsors has got to be Audible. I had an Audible account long before I thought about ever getting into podcasting. And Audible has an awesome gift for all of my listeners. And if you head over to audibletrial.com forward slash jryan, you're going to get a free audiobook on them and me. All you have to do is sign up for a free trial. And if you decide that Audible's not for you, and within 30 days, you can cancel no harm, no foul, you spend no money, and you get to keep that free audiobook. Audible has hundreds of thousands of books in their catalog, read by world-renowned narrators. From New York Times bestsellers to the classics, they're all on Audible. So again, head on over to audibletrial.com forward slash jryan and pick up your free audiobook today. The term boots on the ground usually denotes that action is being taken, that something is being done, unless we're talking about Aaron O'Neill and the Appalachian Legacy Initiative. And quite literally, when we say boots on the ground, we mean her boots, as she is on the ground every day up in the mountains of Appalachia working with horses that the world has basically forgotten. From mineral supplementation to medical care to rounding up bachelor stallions, it is Erin, her pickup truck, and her dogs doing 99% of the work. So when she accepted a partnership with this show, I was more than elated. And she's not paying me. I just want to help. This is how ingrained this subject is to me. As an ethnic Appalachian and a lover of horses, how could I not want to play some role in what's transpiring in Kentucky and West Virginia. So if you want to be part of the amazing work that Aaron's doing, there's going to be a link to the Appalachian Legacy Initiative in the show notes of this episode, and I invite everyone to go click it. Even if you don't donate, just read a little bit of the work that she's doing, and you're going to gain a whole new appreciation for what it means to be a horseman. I want to take this opportunity to talk about our latest partner here on Behind the Horse's Eyes, and that is Herd of Zebras. You can find them over at www.herd-of-zebras.com. And Herd of Zebras is more than just an equestrian lifestyle brand. It's a global community of just badass people who inspire others 
with their perseverance, grit, compassion, and authenticity. And what other people might call scars, whether it be physical or emotional, they call stripes. It's the experiences and the hardships that cause us to become stronger, kinder, and braver. Unlock all of that over at Herd of Zebras. I wear their shirts constantly. I was lucky enough for them to send me some swag. Um, I've done some promotional stuff for them. I'm going to tell you, I am sold. The quality of their products is is, is amazing. They're All their products are printed here in the U.S. You're not going to find better people and people with a better message than Herd of Zebras. If you use the discount code JRyan at checkout over at Herd of Zebras, you're going to get 10% off of your order. All the info for that is going to be in the description of this episode. That's www.herd-of-zebras.com. Promo code JRyan for 10% off today. I bet you didn't know we had a merch store. That's right. We actually have merch. If you head on over to the description, the notes of this episode, there will be a link there to the merch store, and you can head on over to the Mediocre Horseman store. From there, we have socks, we have hoodies, we have tanks, we have tees, and there's new designs coming out all the time. And the special this month is the Feral Appalachia shirt. 100% of the proceeds of that shirt are going to help feral horses in Appalachia. And 50% of everything else that's sold in the store is also going to go help feral horses in Appalachia through Feral Erin as part of the Appalachia Legacy Initiative. So click the link in the description, head on over there, get something, help out some amazing horses, some amazing people, and uh, help me feed my horses for crying out loud. You are listening to Behind the Horse's Eyes on the Illiterate Podcast Network. slightest little um scratch or something and i'm like i literally saw a horse that was hit by a coal truck a year prior live and just like continues to fall and live her life all broken and busted like just happy to be there (laughs) listen everything's hard here in appalachia there is those are my people that we gathered this year from the scene (laughs) and we're processing them and aging them and stuff like that and this horse, he's an older stud horse. He's got to be 20-something years old. And he's one of the more famous ones. And we opened up his mouth. And there's, like, no top teeth and very few bottom teeth. He's got one tooth on the side that's still, <laughs> like, in the gums. It won't fall out, but it's, like, dangling there. It's like a little snaggle <laughs> tooth. And we're like, how in the hell has this horse been living he, up and he's, on the scenes? And he's probably how? thriving. Yeah. <laughs> and he is gentle too. I got a picture of me next to him. I'm smiling and I'm holding his mouth open and his teeth are all snarled oh, and mangled. <laughs> well, 
Well, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Horse's Eyes. I'm pretty sure you recognize those voices. We've got the rare buckaroo, Sarah Woodell, Aaron O'Neill, also known as Feral Aaron. What are you giggling about, Aaron? I don't know if I'm supposed to say hi or not. It's, it's, okay. it's okay. It's okay. You can you can say hi. Hello. Say hi. Say hi, Aaron. Hello. And my lovely co-host, Miss Justin Rice. I am always your humble host, Mr. J. Ryan Chastain. So this was an idea that was pitched to me, I think by Erin, because she is she's okay. back from she's back from the hills. Those might as well just be deployments these days. Yeah. Honestly, it's coming back from civilization back into uncivilization. Oh, <laughs> uh, are, are the mountains just home at this point? They are. I every second away, I am just homesick as I'll get out. <laughs> uh, so for new listeners, I want to get you two to tell just a little bit about yourself and get everybody up to speed before we jump into the subject at hand. So whichever one of you want to go first. Go ahead, so. Aaron. I've been on here before. <laughs> Aaron has too. Oh, <laughs> well, Aaron has too. That's right. Um I make TikTok videos talking about Mustangs and Spade Pits. <laughs> but you you are a BLM Bunchy Wrangler. Stuff. Yes. I work for the Bureau of Land Management as a Wrangler uh, in Eastern Oregon at the Heinz Corrals. I don't know. I, am I supposed to hiss at you because of that or something? I don't Maybe. I don't know. Okay. Some people do. I, yeah, I know. Aaron? I am Aaron O'Neill, um, professional horse trainer turned... Appalachian Feral Horse Advocate. I recently have started the Appalachian Legacy Initiative, which is the first and only nonprofit to cover all three states of strip mine horses living at large in Kentucky, West Virginia, and Virginia. And we focus on in the field management, getting sustainable numbers and getting the horses what they need that so that way they can just stay and live happy healthy feral lives so and you two are friends actually you know all of us are friends but you two <laughs> yeah. are specifically friends and i wonder how that works considering the world is told that you two should hate each other i think that there is so much misinformation out in the world about both the appalachian ferals and the blm um and i think a lot of people have villainized BLM and I think it's very unfair or they haven't chosen to look at the true facts from people with boots on the ground every day that see these horses. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Also, I am enemies with nobody. I'm the least confrontational human. <laughs> I like to see all perspectives and then make my own judgment accordingly. Well, I like too that like, Oh no, your advocacy is a lot different than others. Yours is boots on the ground, whereas a lot of people's is not. That's very true. You you have an understanding of these horses need to be healthy and maintained and managed, you know, whereas a lot of people they think that they should just be completely left alone in their yeah. farming. Where you understand that, you know, there's you can't just leave these horses alone and let them overpopulate in. No. Yeah. You mean, you mean, you mean to tell me that these, these quote wild horses can't just be left wild. Um, 
No, this is in fact not a children's story. <laughs> this isn't Stallion of the Cimarron, right? <laughs> this is not in fact but, Heartland. <laughs> but I saw on Facebook. <laughs> I'm being completely facetious, by the way. Yes. <laughs> I think, honestly, BLM, I'm the type of person that my heroes aren't the people or entities that have worked out. My biggest like draw or people or, or things that I look up to are things that I don't necessarily agree with or things that could be better. So I think BLM for me was that like eye opener of if we don't do something in Appalachia, this is going to be the same song and dance here in another 10 years. Yeah. Um, and I feel like BLM had, they had somebody in the very, very, very beginning that had a functional safe plan instead of a bunch of people in office buildings, maybe it wouldn't be at this point. So I look at Appalachia as an opportunity to, you know, get these horses help and everything, but also set that new standard. Like this is how things should be done. This is how feral and wild animals should be treated in, in their habitat. And this is how things should work if that can't happen. Um, and prevention I think is huge. Like, I think there's a lot more like proactive stuff that can be done in the field than most people have ever really explored. Um, and that saves everybody money. <laughs> yeah. I agree. There's a lot of things about the BLM that I do not agree with. I mean, it's basically the management aspect of the population control that yeah. I do agree with. But there's a lot of a lot of stuff with the BLM I do not agree with personally. Like, because I think it's just they're too concerned about pleasing both sides and more recently it seems like they're too concerned about pleasing the um animal rights activists more than the ranchers before it was like they're trying to keep a happy middle ground instead of focusing on what's best what is actually yeah. best for the horses they're trying to find a happy middle ground between activists and ranchers and since activists has gotten more severe and more crazy I feel like that they're leaning more towards pleasing them just to kind of keep them quiet and keep them, yeah, you know, off from bothering them. But there's a lot of stuff about the BLM that I don't necessarily agree with because first and foremost, I don't think it their primary goal is actually the well-being of the horses out on range. I can definitely see that. It definitely feels... it. It's also a sad situation because it should never have been BLM's issue to deal with. Yeah. Like it just shouldn't have. Um, so that it it's complicated all the way around. Yeah. yeah. You know, at its inception, the Bureau of Land Management's job was to be the mediator of public land for public use. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, hey, horses here, they're on public land. Yep. And that is not. Not how you set a good foundation for something. No. <laughs> it's like it's like playing Jenga and you build a tower off of like one 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 stick. Exactly. Yeah. I really like your saying, Ryan, when you always say that the BLM, you know, they were created for land management and then horses got dumped on their plate. And, yeah, and it's and very... essentially that's kind of what happened. And I don't think a yeah. lot of people get that, is that's kind of what happened. And then it was 
it and it was never they never have the funding um because the funding is always going to go somewhere else or and ever you know and i always love it when you see uh anti uh blm management folks i also want to use well the blm take in x amount a million dollars this year to do this with horses and you have to go no 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 no. what you really need to do is go on the government's website and see how those millions of dollars were divided it up yeah or divided up i don't know i did divided it did it did how those how those millions of dollars were divided up and you'll realize that honestly a, a, a minute amount actually went to went to mustangs yeah a lot of people lot of and the majority of, of that though the majority of that money goes to housing and feeding horses that are already in corrals and the medical care for those horses that's what scares me about appalachia is if it gets to that point where there has to be mass gathers like that, it would absolutely destroy me to see these horses be put in holding like that and literally just kept. Um, and I think in Appalachia versus BLM, BLM, I feel like it is un- unfortunately necessary at this point because there hasn't been more done prior. Yeah, um, I actually am a hundred percent for BLM gathers, which is funny because in Appalachia I have a, a different stance of I think these horses can stay. But this um, it's a numbers game. It's a numbers it different is. because in Appalachia you're not growing by ten thousand. What is it? Is it ten thousand a year uh, or something like that, Sarah? You are seeing on range. At least, because HHMA grows by twenty percent every year. Yeah. So yeah, you say so you got ten thousand mustangs added to the population every year. You're not, you're not, obviously not getting that in Appalachia. No. Um, but with that said, you're still getting big numbers. But if you can do something about it now and get exactly. those get those young studs that don't provide good genetics to the horses that are intended mm-hmm. to just stay there, you get those guys out of there. So the bloodlines that are there are hardier they're better exactly you're, con- you're controlling what's being bred and and how they're breeding and you don't get to a point where um corrals are a necessary evil exactly with your project aaron would you ever consider something like spaying mares and return them to range because i know the blm was going to do something like that but of course and i gather activists freaked out but we are looking at all different types of active in the field birth control. Um, I, I lean more towards darting because I feel mm-hmm. like there in Appalachia, it's a lot more doable because yeah. it is smaller numbers and we really could just go herd to herd. We can pen a yeah. whole herd, hold them there for a week and then, you know, do a couple rounds of darting turn them back loose, sayonara, see in three years. Um, And then I'm also very pro just gather all the studs, like get all stud cults, anything that is not actively with a herd, protecting a herd, gone. Um, If it's a bachelor herd, the whole bachelor herd goes. Exactly. And I can get behind that. And in my mind, that's the very most easiest start because all the sites for the most part are overpopulation, not the way BLM is by like thousands, but most sites need to be reduced by about well, 20%. But, all right, so let's go back, if you don't mind, let's, let's touch on that. 
for a second with rounding up bachelor herds. So to me, it makes perfect sense. And the reason it makes perfect sense for one, these are usually young stallions. Yeah. So they're 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 at the optimal age really to be gelded. Exactly. And they're and great to start after that. I was just about to say they're great to start after that. And we're not talking about um crazy genetics yep. at play here. We're talking about some of these horses just a handful of generations away from being somebody's backyard pony. Exactly. These that that would be a perfect solution right there. Just these get these bachelor herds. Uh-huh. And but again, it comes advocacy and they need people like you. What we've found is we can, in just gathering stallions out of a site, if we focus just on that in in one area, we can reduce the population to a healthy number. The horses we take in, you know, we geld them and within a month they can enter training and they get adopted super quick. We don't have to hold them because they're not bred. They don't have any dependents. They typically are of really good weight because they don't have that toll of of you know a herd and and everything that comes with that um so it's the most you know cost effective we move horses the quickest that way um stupid stallions make really great geldings and (laughs) we can reduce the numbers and reduce you know future numbers yeah um and injuries as well because that costs us thousands of of dollars when something gets hurt and well you don't have young you don't have young stallions fighting exactly which they're going to have great top lines when you adopt them because they're walking more on their hind legs than they are all four that is true (laughs) (laughs) and they're just dangerous like i feel like the western horses are a lot more removed from human contact where in appalachia like it's a it's a rural community and rural communities spend time in the mountains so yeah. they are around hunters there's atv riders in the summer um you know so they do have that opportunity for human contact a lot more frequently and that is an incredibly dangerous situation yeah. for anybody let alone someone that has no idea about horses yeah yeah we only have one hma here in oregon the steens hma where it is it's our big tourist attraction here yeah. uh, because they're very easily accessible to the public. And uh, <clears throat> part of the reason, you know, they were overpopulated, but a big reason on why we gathered the area that we gathered in that HMA is because of their interaction with people. They were getting too used to people. I have multiple pictures and of people on my phone when my husband and I went up there to go fishing and stuff of people trying to follow these Mustangs and pet them. And they're just like 10 feet in front of them. These horses were trying to like get into the back of people's pickups, pawing off, you know, uh, and dent in their trucks and stuff like that. I'm like, it's going to become Yellowstone, you know, bison incident here. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, we have that on the East coast on our barrier islands too, with like Cumberland and places like that where people like to go and they see the horses and there's huge signs. Don't touch them. Leave them alone. If you see one, go the other direction type thing. And everybody goes, Oh, look, it wants me to pet it. No, 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 no. If it wants you to pet it, it's either a, it's trying to die in peace or two is you're going to get your brains kicked out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, humans are stupid. I don't know if we've established this on the show yet. <laughs> humans. I have, I have someone who had regular old domestic horses 
still worry about people who are stupid going in our pastures and being out with the most docile horses on the planet just because if you don't know then you're gonna get in a lot of trouble much less horses that have zero human contact or what manners are i've been around and every all three of you can agree with this too i've been around horses for a long time now and if it's a strange horse i don't care if it is acting friendly i'm not just gonna go plop in there and go come here pony yeah you know how many times people get bit doing stupid crap like that (laughs) honestly i feel like humans that's a whole nother podcast of the de-evolution of the human race over the years it's kind of like that you ever seen that and it shows like the evolution of man and he's it's mm-hmm. like the ape on all fours and then he's slightly bipedal and then yeah. even more and then it shows the end of the neanderthal with the spear and then it shows you know shows us and then all of a sudden it shows somebody it shows it like degressing again yeah yeah yes yeah we're, we're somewhere somebody needs to do that and go we're here and it's like back down on all fours it's sad is absolutely nuts. Common so, sense is not so common anymore. That's no, it's, it's not, and you, and you can't teach it. You you can't beat it into people, and you sure can't teach it. Hey, listen, is I mean, it's we take crazy nowadays, and we uh, if you're crazy nowadays, you, you get more clout. I'll put it that way. That is true. But uh, yeah, just ah, uh, mm, mm, that could just I. I'm not going down that rabbit hole. That's I was about be, to say something. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be a deep, dark rabbit hole. We're going to go places that was too. Um, I would say though, and probably one of the most dangerous aspects when it comes to either Aaron, your work and Sarah, your work is um, the quote wild horse advocate people and granted we all we're all guilty of using the uh and i won't even say guilty uh you know we've all used that term wild horse when referring to feral horses before i am one of those people that i use i use feral as much as possible because i i I try to educate more these days so i kind of want to explain the difference between feral and wild and then i you still have a lot of folks that think that they're when they look at a Mustang and they look at a horse in Appalachia that they're just looking at Chevalsky's horse and that thing's going to be just fine. And it's got millions of years of evolution. And, oh, you know, Mustangs, they've been there hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They've evolved mm-hmm. by now and they have no idea that there's just a handful of HMAs that have those strong Spanish lines that a lot of those HMAs are like ex-army remount horses or stock horses or uncle joe up the ranch had a weird bronc he just turned loose yeah (laughs) or or you know they're remnants of like shoshone horses or nez pierces and stuff like that that's just been out on range forever and uh they they just have it in this mind that that's one of cortez's horses you know or something like that you're like nah nah that was uncle bill's horse you know (laughs) <laughs> now that was that was one of them army thoroughbred you know that's that's what that joker was um a lot but, of people when we come to the crawls and like like <clears throat> they'll tell us oh well the scenes can be a different story because sometimes we'll get the neighbor's ranch horses or broodmares in that <laughs> hma and like 
it happens. Like studs come and take their mares or, you know, their mares just disappear. But there is sometimes where people are like, well, that horse is so gentle. It must have been a turnout. I want that one. I'm like, no, <laughs> like, there's a reason why that horse was turned out. Yeah. <laughs> Every single time there's one in there and I'm like, oh, this one must have been a turnout. People are like, oh, I want that one. I'm like, no, there's a reason why it's a bunch of ranchers and cowboys in this area. There's a reason why that horse was turned out. That's, with the that's, that's what I always tell people about auction horses. Yeah. When they're like. They're like, oh, look at it. That one's sweet. I like that one. I'm like, there's a reason it's here. There's a reason yeah. it's got a number on its butt right now. Yeah. And it's not advertised as, you know, as a prospect of something. Yeah. yeah. You can sell anything as a prospect. Prospect just means it doesn't really know how to do it. We're just counting on you knowing how to teach it, whatever, <laughs> you know, and you, you know, uh, sells with some assembly required. That, exactly. <laughs> it's batteries not included is yep. what that is. <laughs> <laughs> brain is not included there yeah <laughs> so if you're willing to put in a lot of work and a brain in that horse that might turn out pretty good that's prospect people so whenever you say oh barrel prospect dressage prospect no 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 doesn't mean that you're going to be showing next week on that pony yeah and if it's not a prospect if it's at a sale barn it's that's a last chance yeah last ditch effort. that it was it was already someone's prospect yeah so another unpopular opinion, just because you bought a horse from the auction does not make it a rescue. You oh a my gosh. Like, yes. That's not a rescue horse. Yes. Uh, I am not worthy of your presence right now. <laughs> I, uh, agree with that I, I rescued it from a kill pen. It was an auction, oh, but there were kill buyers there. Did they say they were kill buyers? Yeah. Nobody's going to pay $3,000 for a horse. No. And what I don't understand is like they look at these horses and they're like, they like pay three or four thousand dollars for a horse at an auction. I rescued it from going to slaughter. Nobody's sending a four thousand dollar horse to slaughter. There's no yeah. money to be made there. Yeah. Also, if you're seeing the horse, it's it was never in danger. They had a contract. They will meet. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. and it's a bit. It's, it's a business, and, and if you like the business or not, that's not here or there. You're allowed to like or not like, whatever. I mean, it's, it, it is a business, but they're gonna make money. And, and you know, and yeah, they're, uh, yeah, they're not, they're not going out there and buying several thousand dollar horses that's in to send to old Mexico. There's, there's no money to be made there. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pay three thousand dollars to make forty cent on the pound at eight hundred pound. Yeah. There's Plus, a lot of sites in Appalachia where they breed and that's what they do. It's like their savings account. They'll go up, catch with the can, direct ship. Never even know they were ever there. Damn. That's they get the, wild. The, they get it streamlined. They do. But plot twist now. I'm there, so I'm like, hey, um, actually I'll pay you twenty percent more than what the kill buyers would and I'll catch them for you. Um, sign this paper. So yeah, but to me, that that's the way you approach that. It yeah. is. It is the way you approach it. You don't yell and scream and no. threaten to cut people's tire. And that's something else that brings up my mind too. If there's an ad that says a horse has a ship date, that horse is not shipping to go to slaughter. <laughs> yeah, bingo. Because <laughs> nobody wants their tires slashed. Mm-hmm. That's just a I've, mess. I've talked about that a few times, and I've had a I've had 
some people get mad at me. I'm like, well, it doesn't make any sense why they're asking five grand for this horse. It's a papered horse. It's a nice looking horse. Yeah, it's got a sticker on its butt, but that's not slaughter prices. It's not getting shipped. It's not getting shipped. And, you know, and I'm all for if if it's a story that makes somebody feel good about making kind of a, a bad purchase with a horse and whatever. I mean, I hate to put it that way, but I mean, yeah. you know, if, if you've got lots of disposable income and you got a decent handling on how to take care of a horse, especially if it's a horse with special needs then more power to you, I'm glad you can do it. Yeah. I'm not that guy. I'm mm. just, I, for one, I can't afford it. I'd love to be able to afford it, man. If I had hit that $2 billion on the lottery, I'd have three-legged lame stuff, all kind of craziness around here. I'd buy a Curly just to say I owned a Curly, and I have no desire to own a Curly. You know, I mean, it, it just, you know, but I don't. And I, I can't, kind of like the lady that in Canada that oh. went on the tirade with the, the poor gal because she was looking at a horse for $3,000. She goes and looks at this horse. The horse is skinny in deplorable condition. And instead of buying the horse, she reports the horse as possible abuse. And she made a video bringing awareness to this horse and the fact that, hey, I went to go look at this horse and this horse is in deplorable shape and I didn't know who to call. So I called my vet for my vet to do a wellness check. <laughs> this rescue like, didn't run the rescue. She just works at a rescue in Canada. Did a little research there on that. And I won't say it on air because it's still kind of hearsay. And I don't want to get sued. But anyway, <laughs> come to find out that place might be. Mm-mm. But um says that she should have bought the horse and this, that, and the other. And that's how horses end up in the slaughter pipeline. And it's all about money. And I'm like, hold up. You work in a rescue. Rescues don't work on, on rain unicorn farts. I mean, they need, they need money too. Um, you know, except most of the time, a lot of these nefarious rescues, they'll keep something alive that should have been euthanized years ago just so they can get another 10 grand off of it for a surgery that it really doesn't need to be put through again. That is very true. <clears throat> I was just going to mention that lady because it's just isn't she and she pleasant. It was a, it was such a disaster. Like I just sat there for an hour eating popcorn, reading the comment section <laughs> because of just like the comment section, the things that she was commenting were even stupider than the things that she was saying in the video. Well, she never just, answered a. She never answered not one question that anybody proposed to her. Because someone said, someone said something about like, like call a rescue. You know what? Or you know she could have called a rescue, and she said something like, "That's just what these people who are pro slaughter industry say. Like they they just want rescues to take care of it instead of them. You know she she should have just bought that horse. I'm like I would never spend three thousand dollars on a horse." that is in deplorable condition like wait a minute well, though. that's not your responsibility she's yeah. the rescue i know exactly. well i know but but she didn't say that in the video she didn't say she was part of a rescue in the video yeah but her screen name is like something rainbow fart rescue yeah. <laughs> but but that's what she just kept saying is like it, these these all these people who are pro, pro slaughter want to say just to call a rescue or you know blah 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 and it's like lady no one no one no regular people just have three thousand dollars to spend on a horse and then plus the thousands of dollars 
it may take to get it in good condition. Yeah, and I can, I was you know and I was talking about this with actually with one of uh one of my sponsors. I cannot remember if it was uh Cheyenne from Saratelli, if it was Forrest from Herd of Zebras. It was one of them, or maybe even both of them, that we were talking about it. And I think everyone come to the same conclusion that that wackadoodles are just going to wackadoodle. Mm-hmm. And and but that's the problem. So like with you two guys, and working with feral horses, wackadoodles. Not the horses, the people. I mean, the horses can be wackadoodles too, but more so the people. The people are more feral than the horses ninety percent of the time. So like, so like, excuse me, I'm I'm still getting over the flu, guys. But I think most of us know exactly the type of wackadoodle that, um, Sarah that you deal with. Like they were just they're everywhere. Aaron, what are the type of wackadoodles you deal with? So on a social media platform standpoint, I definitely have the whole, these are wild animals. They're fine. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. So y'all, y'all share wackadoodles. I guess. But then I also have the people who are like, all the horses need to be gathered. Like they're, this is awful. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, there's a medium ground here. Um, And then it's the same, like, the whole feral versus wild argument. Like, there are no wild horses. There are only feral horses. Only Mustangs are wild. Like, there's so many different types of crazy when it comes to this. <laughs> and then you get the ones even further that are like, oh, I don't even know. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, and I'm, I don't mean to be harsh with the wackadoodle thing. Because you can be adamant with an opinion and go, listen, my opinion is I, I think they should be left alone. I think that should be the experiment. And we just see how that goes. That's how just not that, well. that, is, that is. Well, yeah. It, and, and in my opinion, that's not going to work very well. But if you if that's your opinion, voice your opinion. Yeah. If that's something, you know, that, I that's think awesome. I think you're only allowed to have an opinion if you have an educated opinion. You well, can that, all- that's half of that's half of the advocates yeah you're only allowed to have a strong opinion and voice that strong opinion if you have an educated opinion well okay i'll let me hold on i'll i'll go a step further i think everyone should be allowed to have an opinion on whatever they want to have an opinion on freedom of speech but with freedom of speech does there's a there's a caveat to freedom of speech it doesn't mean that you are free from uh, ridicule and it also means you're not necessarily entitled to voice your opinion on something that you know nothing about like yeah i feel like in today's society the entitlement thing has just gone way too far online well the Uh, amount of people who automatically assume that their opinion is is fact when it's yeah when it's just an opinion and you can have it because they read a couple facebook articles yeah and so just like half of the advocacy groups um for mustangs and things like this and there's nothing wrong with saying hey i want to preserve mustangs on range we all want to preserve mustangs and feral horses on range and you know yeah. we want to keep those horses on range those are iconic they're, they're it's part of america but at the end of the day they need help they need help yeah. you know and but going about it by telling outright lies and fabrications it is not helping you 
Well, at the end of the day, it just is going to make it so much of a pain for everybody involved. People are just going to walk away and be like, well, fine, you do it then. Like, and that's. But that's the problem. They're not going to do it because they don't know how. Well, and that's the issue there is it's a lot of people that don't know a lot of fact in the matter. And they just, it just gets so buggered so quick. Well, like one of the arguments that I bring up a lot, because when people try to argue with me about that, they don't need to be managed. And like a lot of the time I tell them, you know, well, they're feral animals. They need yeah. to be managed. And so if someone brings up the point like, well, here's this article of one scientist or two scientists that say that horses were here prior to the Spaniards and these horses are I'm like, okay, well, let's ignore history. Let's ignore all of that and say that these are native wildlife. The fossil record does not exist. We'll go with that. Let's just say that these mustangs are native wildlife. They still need to be managed, just like every single species on public land is managed, unless they are endangered which we all know that Mustangs are far from being an endangered species. Well, well, so if if you're along the lines of that is native wildlife, then you should be on the lines, then they should be cold. Yeah, exactly. And that's my, that's the point I bring up. I'm like, okay, if that is your only argument on, and usually people don't argue back when I, they block me after I say that. I'm like, okay, well then let's trade them as a native species. They still need to be managed. Every single native species on public land is still managed through trapping, through hunting. They're still cold unless they're endangered. And Mustangs are nowhere near being an endangered species. In fact, they're inhibiting all the other natural wildlife of the area due to overpopulation and that's when i get blocked <laughs> but the, the the people who want to treat them who want to use that argument that they're wildlife also think that they shouldn't be called because they're pets yeah exactly how can we do that to horses <laughs> they're horses we do it to cows yeah i'm like i don't understand why mustangs are so why they're such a target for animal rights activists to leave them alone because they're pretty because i've seen a shit ton of them that aren't that pretty <laughs> to be uh, honest yeah. but, but you won't see those on the advocacy page no you and you, you, see you, you the big old chunky fat ones no, doing you, and, yeah and you're not you're not going to see any of those at uh you know come about eh, pictures you don't Mar- notice March, the anything like that or I should say scamptuaries bidding on the jug-headed ones with club feet on the internet auctions for tens of thousands of dollars. We're going to go down this rabbit hole because I'm about to get on a soapbox. I can't get on that soapbox. That's about as far up as I can get. Okay, we'll, we'll leave that one alone. But let's just say if people give you lots of money so you can help horses and you take all that money and you just buy one horse, all are I you, can are say, you helping horses? No. All I can say is from my experience <laughs> from sanctuaries is that they, when they come to the crowds and they want to adopt, they want to adopt so-and-so's grandson or the flashiest one there. Meanwhile, we have three pens of 15 plus year old horses that are 
will never Have get adopted. Issues, club feet, too old to be adopted, plain sorrel that's a 16-year-old that's perfectly fine, but they don't want that one. They want no. the flashy one that's the son of sparkle farts. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Because they can sell the story that they reunited them. Yeah, exactly. He got reunited with his sister. Yeah, better better glad he's gelded or he'd be trying to mount sister. Yeah. I think people have just personified the not only the horses, but just the American West in general. And what you don't understand is the American West is hard. I mean, it's hard. Yes. It's different. I mean, it's a different kind of hard. And if you're not from there, you <laughs> cannot really have, have a say in it. Um, and I feel like that's also a similarity to Appalachia. It's a different kind of hard. Yeah, uh, but it's the same mentality. Yeah, and I would say that 99.8% of animal rights activists are people who believe these, you know, the donation advocacy groups posting stuff about them. Yeah. Um a lot of a lot of the times I bring up arguments with people when they sit there, you know, and they try to argue with me and I'll tell them, I'll be like, well, so where do you live? Well, I live in New York or I live in Seattle. <laughs> okay. <immediately> like, no. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been out to the Steens and seen these horses? Well, I went out in May three years ago for a few days. Oh, so when it was like in their, when they're in their prime. Exactly. I come out here in February and tell me that you feel the same way. Yeah, look or, at them coming out at the end of February, see what they look like. Yeah. I and I always I always invite people out. I said, You're more than welcome to come out here. I will take you up there and I'll show you these horses in person. I'll show you what they look like. That's and, what I feel more people need to see isn't it's not the narrative of either BLM or any of these other big organizations. Yeah. They need to see people who live there who have eyes yeah. on these horses every day every week every month around the year and those are the voices that need to be heard more so than the pencil pushers and offices places you know yeah exactly and like I tell people a lot I'm like I wasn't huge like anti-gather but I saw no reason to gather yeah. or you know manage them I was like why do we need to do anything about it they seem fine until I moved locally to these horses mm -hmm. and I tell people that a lot. I'm like, have you ever noticed that there is very few people that live locally and see these horses year round that advocate to not be for them to not be managed? Yeah. There's very few people. I, I mean, can't... even my mom knows nothing about horses at all I and mean, she's terrified of horses she came out here for christmas last year and i took her up to the steens and showed her some of the horses up there and she's like these are all really skinny like we're seeing a lot of them how come how come you guys haven't done anything about this and my mom knows absolutely nothing about horses and she was out here for you know i took her up there two days in a row to show her and she saw it just from two days being up there in december late december that something needed to be done yeah don't worry somebody will do something they'll they'll throw out a bunch of hay filled with non-native grass seeds and it'll choke out prairie 
Don't even get me started on that. Oh, boy. <laughs> and it'll be cost efficient. It will be fine for 200 horses. We'll put out three round bales for 600 head. It's fine. <laughs> Listen, yeah. I, put out, <laughs> I put out a round bell for two horses, a jackass. Yeah, two horses and a jackass. A week is gone. Exactly. And I it's cost efficient, guys. Don't you know that? It would be much cheaper to drive to all the different areas that they are and deliver this feed every other day than it would to be to manage them. It's more mm -hmm. cost efficient. That's what drives me absolutely nuts is when people jump down my throat and they're like, well, why are you doing this instead of doing this? I'm like, this is a multi-phased deal here. Like, we look at it from all angles. Like so a lot of people get up in arms and they're like, well, instead of taking minerals, why don't you take hay? Or why aren't you taking grain to these horses? And I'm like, let me break it down for you. If there's a population of a hundred head, it costs me $12 a month per horse to ensure that they are nutritionally balanced, that they have absolutely everything metabolically that they need through minerals, selenium, sodium, all of these other things to absorb what's already available to them. It takes a little bit longer, um, but if I were to do the same thing with hay, it would be like, I mean, per site, it would be a minimum of 10, 12 grand per site. And then when yeah. you zoom out, and that's per month. So then yeah. you zoom out and you, know, you have a hundred sites, like that's not possible no. that's just not no. functional or good use of of donations i've done multiple videos and multiple educational posts on because people ask that all the time why don't you just give them hay wouldn't that be more cost effective than gathering them not so no I numbers. <laughs> i've ran numbers and i've you know and it's not like exact to the t it's a yeah. basic estimation but I run numbers and I show people, all right, well, let's go by the cost of hay right now here in Eastern Oregon uh, for one HMA only for this many horses that eats this many pounds per, of feed per day. It would cost per month like 15 grand. I believe it. Not, not including the cost of my wages, not including the cost of the other Wranglers' oh, wages time. and everybody else there. The time the vehicle maintenance yeah maintenance everything like that i'm like this is literally just the cost of feed not including outside costs of what it takes to get the feed get it there equipment fuel any of that i mean so you can exactly. almost pretty much double that and people still don't get it it just comes back to prevention being active in that like it needs to be resolved before it's ever an issue. Right. Period. Like you don't just start feeding horses or you don't just start helping horses because they're thin. You start helping them before they get to that point so that they don't get to that point. Right. Because once they get to that point, a lot of times like gathering is kind of the only option because um, yeah. it's they've just gone past a point where they can bounce back. So if you can prevent that, it saves everybody money. It saves everybody time. And that horse can just live and be happy and never have to go through that. 
Well, yeah. there's there's always an argument too that seems like a lot of people want to make, and that is, well, before the BLM, they were doing just fine. And usually, to those people, I go, well, before the BLM, um, there was population control uh, by way of anyone that came across them. They got cold. Yeah. I mean, if if ranchers found them on their property, they shot them. Yeah, and they still in Australia. That's still how they manage the wild brumby population. Is you can buy a like a hunting license, a tag, yep. and you just go shoot a bunch of horses, and that's what you do. Uh, um, you can do that for feral cats there too. Oh man, yeah. Feral, yeah they they hunt feral house cats there. All so you mean to tell me? Honestly, that does make sense because everything in Australia is like real sketchy. So you no. kind of need something that's not going to maybe kill you. Yeah. No, seriously. Still don't condone it, though. Well, no, it isn't just that. It's just what feral house cats do to uh, the native species there. You got to think yeah. that is a very isolated ecosystem in Australia. And there's species there that are only there. And yeah. a lot of their bird populations and small marsupial populations have been destroyed by things like the house cat. So they hunt them. That makes sense. What a thrilling hunt. Just kidding. Yeah, it was. Crikey. I'm sorry. <laughs> As someone who, who's hunted and my husband hunts, all I can think of is like, man, can you imagine bringing buying a tag to go and shoot house cats? <laughs> I, I can I can see it now. Crikey, look at the tabby. <laughs> That's a wall hanger. Yeah. We're gonna get that one mounted. <laughs> Just walk oh, no. walk into a hunting lodge and it's a brumby and then a couple of house cat heads hanging over the fireplace. Oh gosh. <laughs> there's oh, sorry. There's, there's mittens and minks and no. there's snowflake. Yeah. That one is a long-haired white cat. Those ones are rare. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Here's the ultra hair that Russian person. blue. Uh, you imagine their buddies just getting excited because they, they found a really cool. Found a, got me a calico this morning. <laughs> and the, speaking of cats, I feel like the same people who are upset about the feral horses are the same people who want to catch all of the house cats that are outside and they're, they're okay with you know getting all of them and catch and release and you know spaying and doing all those yeah. things starting up donations so they can go out and trap like yeah, cats, yeah. cats and drop them up at the vet i worked at a vet as a vet tech and that was one of the things that i had to help with was once a month we had a donation group show up and they would show up with like 50 house cats and or not house oh. cats, just you know feral cats and we'd have to spay and neuter them and that was the worst day at the vet oh. clinic i mean you got injured more you got scratched more it was scary it stunk everything smelled like cat pee and like it took forever to clean up and get that smell out of the clinic yeah, and it's not like these cats are living the lap of luxury either. Yeah, no. he just he just he just got dragged out from taking a bath in dumpster juice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh. Honestly, in a sleeping um, bag with a kid. I always thought feral cats and feral horses were so much more similar than any other like feral species. They just they can work as a feral entity um 
if there's help there. Like feral cats, for the most part, you know, other than being wildly overpopulated, they're hardy. Like they got it. Like oh, yeah. no worries kind of situation. And I feel like the horses can be that same way um, with the, with assistance where dogs and stuff, they don't go feral very easy and they just don't do no. well in that lifestyle. A, a cat is one of those things that it can be, it can be born into being feral or it mm-hmm. can just escape from the house. And it's almost like a, a switch flips immediately, like, like immediately. <laughs> like I can watch like my kitties, like my barn cats and they just mm-hmm. stalk squirrels and birds. And I'm like, you just ate, dude. Like, what? what is wrong with you? And next thing you know, they're, they're bringing me a bird and they've like ripped the chest out of it. You know, oh, and I'm gosh. like, what the hell? You know, no, that they that, that switch is easily flipped in them jokers. Like they it go, is. they go from purring in your lap to straight murder mittens. Yeah. And horses are the same way. Like kind of to go back to what Sarah was saying about, you know, oh, it's a turnout. People want them like. I'd rather a feral, generationally feral animal than some like random horse that knew people and then got away from people and then found their way back to people. They're just, they are built different and they they, go feral quick and they are not afraid of you. Usually the deciding factor there is people. Yeah, that is true. Normally the people that I've encountered are not good ones. Yeah. Yeah. It's never good. It's kind of like the horse I did a video on not too long ago called Rex. It's a Hollywood horse. So it's a little Morgan style. The thing was abused to the point like nobody could do anything with it. So they sent it off to this boy's home in Colorado. It immediately <laughs> it immediately kills someone when it gets there. And then uh, gets put in like solitary confinement for ponies. And then uh, this Hollywood horse trainer <coughs> finds it, gets it. Uh, works with it, becomes a Hollywood horse. Never really lost its nature, though. Like it would just, it randomly walk on its hind legs. It would bite actresses. Um, it chased a cameraman one time um, around the lot, chased an actor, a pretty highbrow actor at that point in time, under a car where the horse laid down and then tried to stick its head under the car to bite the guy. <laughs> Is it bad that I hear that and I'm like, I really want that horse? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was, I was, I Sounds was like my kind of fella. <laughs> I was sold at Morgan. There sounds like the little Appy pony I trained last year for my friend. That oh, was turn out. <laughs> I watched that and I was like, "God help her!" Like that thing <laughs> is just waiting. One day, something, <laughs> one minor inconvenience, and oh. that little mare is just going to eat a child. <laughs> So, so in fact, I actually and and just heard the conversation. A buddy of mine just called me before you guys popped in. So I, uh, I sold him a mule. Uh, it's been a few months back. Now I had this mule, quite a few years, and I had sold her one time before to a gentleman, and didn't think much about it. I sold the mule to him, and then a few years later, uh, somebody calls me and goes, "Hey, you know that mule." that you sold i know where it's at if you want to buy it back and we're like i don't, don't really want to buy it back why and they go well when you see you're gonna to want to so we get there just absolutely deplorable and oh. i mean it is just horrible and there's another little horse there too and i sold so much for both of them and i think i gave him 400 bucks and took both 
Mule walk. Yeah, Mule walked right up on the trailer like she saw me and she's like, yes, that guy. <laughs> you got food. Come on. You know, and uh, loaded both of them, brought them home. You know, kept her right here. Did not do anything with her because she was always sketch after that. So I don't know what she went through in that period. So a buddy of mine was like, hey, you know, I'd like to have a mule. And if nothing else, uh, she can be a pasture ornament for me. And I'm like, okay, cool. Come get her. So he just called me a minute ago and he just spent a bunch of money on mule training. The mule trainer just uh, told him to come get her. Uh, she was ready for him. He's not, he's a, he's novice beginner. And, uh, so he comes to get her and he decides he's going to ride her today. And, uh, she tested him by testing him. <laughs> she, she drug him about 75 feet. Oh gosh. So he called me and he goes, you want to buy her back? And I'm like, I really don't need her back right now. He goes, it's fine. He goes, I'm in a bunch of mule groups. He goes, my, my trainer said she might be interested in her. And I'm like, that's fine. I was like, but worst case scenario, I'll take her back. I don't want her in a bad situation, but yeah, yeah. They, some, sometimes things happen to stuff and we yeah. don't know. <laughs> I had a lady years ago before I ever started anything with the ferals. This lady calls one night and she's like, you know, I have this mule. I bought it. I was told it was like kid safe. It was the best mule ever, like blah, blah, blah. And I knew the mule and knew the fellow that had it, um, just a trader type guy, um, kind of yeehaw around up and down the street and sell it. Yeah. And um, so this lady basically calls and is like, I'm having problems. This thing is wanting to kick me now. And I could tell she was afraid of the mule. And it was around the holidays. And I was like, you know, I, I really can't get down there to you for, you know, about two weeks. Um and I was like, you know, just kind of leave her alone till then. If you don't feel comfortable pulling with her, just leave her be. And, you know, we'll evaluate when I get there. So a couple of days goes by. She calls back and she's like, well, now the mule is really kicking at me. You know, every time I come into her stall to brush her, she pins her ears and she's she's actually kicking out. And I was like, OK, first of all, leave the mule alone till I get there. I cannot get there for two weeks. We have an appointment scheduled. Let's pull with it then. Turn it so, out to pasture. Like, turn it out to pasture, leave it outside. Exactly. Like, stop fooling with it. Um, so then, a couple more days goes by. She calls again, and she's hysterically crying, this woman. And she's like, I have locked myself in my tack room. This mule turned on me. She chased me across the field with her head down, coming right at me. And I ran in the tack room, and I'm locked in here, and the mule's right outside. You have to come pick this mule up. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, I had just got off, got done at work. I just had sat down. I thought, well, I have so I have so many questions in a second. Just wait. Gets so much worse. So I show up. (laughs) This mule is in this lady's backyard, and I have to like back around this whole like septic tank mound thing to this field. And I'm like, okay, show me this mule. It's this little cute like a 15 hand gray molly mule i take one look at it and i was like this sucker has trained this woman is what has happened here today (laughs) so i'm like okay how dangerous is this thing can i go in there and catch it and she's like oh yeah for sure for sure minute that lead rope is on it it bolts rips it right out of my hand gone steps on the halter it's a breakaway 
now the mule has no halter. So she's like, well, this is how I normally catch her. So we get a feed pan. And I just, at this point, I'm like, what in the world? I have to at least know what this lady has done to understand why this mule is the way it is. We get a feed pan and we open up the tack room and put it in the doorway. This woman takes a lariat off the wall and puts a little rope around the feed bucket. And she's like, okay, so we're gonna stand behind this door. And when the mule comes, I've done this before. She'll come and she'll put her head in that bowl and I'm gonna jump out and we're gonna put the rope on her. And then we- This is some wily coyote shit. It was, and I was like, this shit ain't gonna work, but I gotta see now, like. <laughs> oh, my God. So, sure enough, we set this little rope trap up, and I'm sitting there behind this door, and this little woman, and that mule comes in, and she knows. I see in that mule's eye, she knows what's about to happen. This woman jumps out, gets the rope, and I look down. And I realized, oh my gosh, I've got the tail of this rope getting ripped out of this tack room. Because I thought this lady was going to help me with this rope until it was on. It was a mess. And then I was like, you know what? We're just going to run this thing on and be done with it. And the moral of the story, I asked, I said, well, what did you do when this mule went to kick you the first time? She's like, well, I put cookies in her bucket and left her alone because I was afraid. And she just rewarded like, the behavior. Oh, it gets worse. So then I was like, okay, breathe. Maybe it wasn't that bad. And I was like, okay, second time, what happened? She's like, well, we were in the field. So I just threw the cookies on the ground because I wanted her to stay there so I could get out. And I was like, this lady clicker trained this mule to kill people. She just, yeah, <laughs> she just, like, she well, just positive she... reinforced negative behavior. She did. And this mule was so clever. She knew. Mules are not stupid. And, and that's one no. thing, like, you, you, you got to explain to people. Sarah, have you worked with many mules? Yeah. Uh, uh, Jess, have you worked with many mules? Yeah. So, and, and that's something that a lot of people do not understand. There is a reason there are mule trainers. Uh-huh. Specific <laughs> mule trainers that work with mules because mules are totally different beasts. Like, they are that, the that, smartest animal. That brain, that brain works a whole lot different. And... <laughs> You know, the, the mules get this whole reputation about, oh, they're stubborn, this and that. No, no, no. A mules is not going to let you work it to death. And when it figures mm-hmm. out, nah, this kind of sucks, homie, I'm not going to do that. Like, if it ain't in it for the mule, they're not going to do it. But there's one I, other thing, one other thing, sorry, Aaron, that a lot of people don't understand about mules and donkeys. Nine times out of ten, if you've got a horse that wants to throw that head and kind of bolt away, most folks can anchor those feet and snatch that head and get that horse's attention. Every once in a while, you're going to get dragged. It's just, you're going to have a good drag in you. You'll never do that with a mule or a donkey when it wants to go. You're going for the ride too. I always tell people, if you want to test to see how good of a trainer you are, go and train mules. Yeah. You can't train a mule. You're not an actual good trainer. And this is why I'm not a good trainer. A mule to do anything. No. When no. people call with mule problems, I'm like, your mule doesn't have a problem, sir. That mule outthought you. Exactly. <laughs> what happened? I was in a clinic the other weekend, and there was a lady there with a mule. And literally, this mule was so anticlimactic. But he would just, she'd have a hold of him. And if she, like, wasn't paying attention for long enough, he'd cock his head to the outside. And literally just walk away. Like just, I mean, just like he's, he's, he's bored. 
whatever, but he would get the leverage and then just walk away. He's like, no, thanks. <laughs> I'm done. Probably 15 times. I mean, and never running away, never anything, but just like <laughs> fast the- walk. I'm just, no, nah, I'm going to go over here. That's the epitome of mule behavior right there. He asked me to do that before. And anytime that he would even start to like slightly turn his head away from me, I just like stepped his hip over and made him like look at me. I mean, it was very like, I mean, it was just standing in one spot. So it wasn't that big of a deal, but I never let him even get the thought that he's going to turn his head away. And she came back and she was like, he didn't try to leave you. He, he didn't just, I was like, no. No, I was like, but you kept it interesting for him. He just wasn't like, like she just wasn't very good at reading like his body because he would tell Uh. every single time he would. There was like three or four signs that he was going to turn his head and walk away from her. And she just had no idea. I mean, it was so funny because he was (laughs) not even being dramatic about it, not (laughs) ripping up her hand, not taking off, but literally just like cocks his head to the outside. I'm just fast walks yeah. away <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like people that have mules on a ground tie it's, it's like the coolest thing ever because you could teach a horse to ground tie pretty easily a mule on the other hand as soon as he sees that you're gone he's gone too he's like okay <laughs> oh this is what we're doing deuces and we'll go hang oh, out over God. here now. on one of the sites that has the longest standing intervention um there's this old he has to be like <laughs> 30 or 40 the sucker has like no teeth left he's missing an eye his no his one nose holes like hanging off of him and he's just one solid scar at this point and every time i'm there he is the one to let everyone else know i am there and he is the smartest creature is it a mule yeah 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 i, I mean, I'm, I'm a lover of mules i think mules are Good saddle mules, it, good saddle mules, depending on what you do. Oh, man. That's how I worked for this ranch, and uh, the rancher's daughter decided to get a, she traded a horse for a saddle mule, and she'd never been around mules in person before, and so she's like, she didn't know what to expect, and I'm like, I knew right away, just knowing this lady, I'm like, you're gonna hate this mule. You're gonna hate it. <laughs> And she would get so mad at this son of a bitch. Like, first thing that happened is we we met in Ontario, Oregon. And then uh, he was in the trailer and he's braying. And she's like, oh, my God, like, is he dying? I'm like, no, that's just what meals make. Like, that's the noise they make. And like, after that, I swear, every single step along of the way, every time she wrote that meal, it was just a fight. And she didn't have them for very long. She's like, this thing's just dumber than rocks. I'm like, no. That mule is smarter than you, ma'am. Uh, he, he, he just, you're just not thinking outside of the box with that thing. You can't think like it's a horse because it's only half horse. <laughs> I would say you play checkers with a horse, but you play chess with a mule. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm amazed that more people are not killed by horses and mules. Yeah. And Same. One, of my, one of my friends uh, has a, she just like takes one or two horses just as like project horses. And um, her and her husband, they ride, they have horses, but they also have 
mammoth donkeys and they ride mammoth donkeys all the time and so I she got what i love mammoth donkeys oh my they've got they've got three mammoths and they're really they just got a three-year-old mammoth donkey and he's really really nice he actually moves really cool we're like really well yeah. um and he's like 16 hands he's a big old donk but um but she just got this this mule for training and so she had one of their other horses and when they when he came in they said that they were scared of him and he was like the most sweet like gentle horse ever but you know they just didn't have very good handling skills so she had him for 30 days and sent him home and then they were so happy with him they brought their mule and she was like I don't know how they even like with as little knowledge as they have I have no idea how these people (laughs) did anything with this mule because she was like in my terms I wouldn't even consider it very halter broke like (laughs) like it just it would only make it wanted to but like like it, it didn't release off pressure or anything and so um but she I was just like how do how do more people just not die like they would take this mule places and trail ride it and stuff but it's like not even Halterbrook I'm surprised that like it's just amazing to me how many people are still alive that have horses and so little knowledge that's part of the reason why I was so okay with like hanging up my training career as as I did because I was done with people the stuff people would bring you and be like okay 30 days I'll see you and I'm like no you won't sorry (laughs) the the probably the one of the funnier experiences I've ever had with a mule was we were it was a bunch of us we were it was one of those big trail ride type things and a bunch of folks had went down kind of another trail and there was a couple of trees down nothing nothing major maybe maybe two feet off the ground they were small small little post oaks and uh, one guy with them had a mule and i'm in the back and they're they're taking their little trail ponies and they're they're jumping the little trees and it was so cute and the guy with the mule come up and the, the mule just kind of walks up and puts its head down you know ears forward <laughs> and he's just kind of sniffing that and all of a sudden the mule just turns goes up the bank and then down the other side like see it's easier why, why are we jumping this and uh the, <laughs> the other thing is so my dad um had a fairly large operation one time uh, breeding donkeys that's what he did and um i remember somebody called me one time and they're like hey i know you and your dad are pretty good with donkeys uh you'd come take a look at a donkey i just got it it's about 10 years old and i'm like okay and they're like yeah and it's, it's never really been handled and i'm like well if it's been around people you know uh might can do something it, you might never be able to lead your kid on it but it might be safe enough you could have it for a livestock guardian or something like that you know yeah. it's an ornament it's a donk you know let it be a donk so i get there and then when i get there i realize what i'm looking at a freshly adopted blm burrow oh no <laughs> hasn't had really much handling so i uh so the, the lady waved at me through the glass door as i was getting back in my truck i never spoke with them <laughs> I no. She called me. She goes, where are you going? And I was like, I left something at the house. And then I called her back and apologized after I lied. And so I left something at the house and told her, ah, you know, tell me a little bit more about this donk. I'll, I'll come back out. She goes, yeah. She goes, um, he, uh, I guess he was titled. Um, I don't know if they titled those things or not. Um, yeah. 
but I guess he was titled because it had been it had been like a year and a half since the person had originally got him, and then it was like a cousin or sister or somebody, and then she's like, I I got him, uh, broke her husband's arm and some other stuff, and I'm like, oh, perfect. Yeah, not. And I don't know if you ever like for folks that haven't seen these BLM burrows. These are not like these little mini Sicilians. No, no. These joker, these they jokers, grizzly bears. <laughs> these jokers are absolute units. They are the honey badgers of the equine world. <laughs> and you know what? So. Here's the thing about here's the thing about these burrows, though. So for every every BLM managed horse that's starving to death coming out of winter, these burrows look like pit bulls. They're just thriving, baby. <laughs> So, so we don't we don't get burrows in Oregon very often like there's only one HMA here in Oregon that we have burrows on and for some events like the Oregon teens and stuff like that we'll we'll get burrows from Nevada a shipment of them uh, because there are people that want to do tip challenge with a burrow instead of a horse I cannot tell you how many more times I've almost been gored by a burrow, a BLM burrow, than I have from any 20-year-old nasty yes. stud. Listen, <laughs> listen, and I, I know exactly where you're coming from with this because a horse, nine times out of ten, even if it's a feral horse, the flight yeah, or fight, yeah. yeah, it's more flight than anything. Not with a donk. Burrows have flight for about 15 seconds. About 15 seconds. When they see that you're still there, they're ready to square up, baby. Yeah. There's, yeah. I've had them try to take me out because the horse <laughs> I ride at the crowds, he's over 16 hands. And I've had a single burrow, a three year old burrow, try to take me out on my 16 two hand corral horse yeah. because he was done. He didn't oh, yeah. want to go in the pen. I was trying to put him in, and he's like, "You know, I'm going to take you and your big old horse out. I don't care." You, <laughs> and my horse—that that was the worst thing to ever happen. You could walk around. You could walk around my paddock, and my horses could talk. And you ask them, "What's the baddest thing in here?" They'll tell you, Leroy, the donkey. Yeah. <laughs> and Leroy's yeah. the sweetest thing. Leroy, Leroy got got his feet done. He don't get his feet done as often as the horses. Usually, the fair just comes by and. When he does the other horse, he'll go, ah, Leroy's fine for a little while. Cool thing about donkeys, for those that don't know, they just get taller, you know, yeah. until you just don't do anything to them, and then they just fold over and go sideways. Yeah. Like, they don't flare out like a horse. So, but, uh, Leroy, yeah, Leroy had done grown about two and a half inches. So it was time for him to get his every six months trimming, you know, we do on that joker. But uh, he was sitting yeah. there and he, do it. We've had burrows in the crawls when we run them through the chutes to like check their tags and stuff like that. They'll get sold up in one of the bucking chutes and you can't, you can't get them to move. They're done. Yeah. And so the only way, which I am always volunteered for this because I'm the smallest, is to get in that chute <laughs> and let them chase you out. <laughs> oh my so God. I have to get in the bucket chutes with these burrows and get up close to them, and then they come after me, and I have to run out as fast as I can and climb a gate yeah. because the burrow is trying to kill me. <laughs> so so my farrier comes with Leroy, and this is you're going to find this funny because this touches on that. So Leroy, I can put a halter on it. I can lead the kids around. Leroy is just you think Leroy. I mean, not in real life, but you think Leroy. Leroy's there was a baby doll like he's the sweetest thing ever he's just a big old handsome rascal but he hates having his feet done like he just hates it now he's not going to bite and he's not going to pull away from the farrier but he's not going to get there very quick 
And so it was <laughs> it was raining that day. So usually Chris, my fairy, if he does Leroy, Chris will actually just go into wherever Leroy is. He'll tote all his crap to whatever tree Leroy's standing under at that moment and do him there. Because you're not going to lead Leroy to Chris. This is not going to happen. So today we had that, or that day we had to lead Leroy to Chris because it was raining. And so he didn't want to go near the barn. And I was like, well, fine, I'll take you out. You'll think you're going for a little walk. Open the gate, put a halter on Leroy. Leroy sees Chris's truck and shuts down. <laughs> so here I am, lead rope in one hand. Chris is standing beside Leroy, and he's tapping him on the butt with his rasp. And that's how we're getting Leroy to walk. And and, and we tap him about 250 yards to the shed that we decided that we we're going to do it to him get out of the rain. By that time, we should have just done it in the rain because we were soaking wet. That's true. I can't tell you how many times I've had to pick burrows up and put them in people's trailers for the training <laughs> events when they get burrows. Every single time a trailer pulls up and they're like, oh, yeah, they're getting the burrow. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to have an asthma attack trying to freaking pick this burrow up and load it in the trailer. Because as soon as they get to the trailer, they're not going to move. Meanwhile, they're not that, gonna move. meanwhile, that burrow <laughs> just looks back at you, flicks some big ears and grins like I'm making yeah. you work today, lady. And if if you're lucky, they're not trying to bite you at the same time. Yeah. So I what's love, funny I love dogs. in Appalachia, a lot of the mules on the mountains have always been a little bit of a mystery. I'm like, well, like they couldn't have just sprung up if there's no donkeys here, you know someone had to just turn them loose and I've always just kind of assumed that or they were mules that like someone just wasn't smart enough to like house them functionally and they would escape and join the feral herds I unfortunately this summer realized um there were several sites where in the 80s and 90s when BLM did a lot of the early incentive programs people would just buy absurd numbers of these burrows and you know horses and and just turn them loose on a strip job and then leave them there for a year get titled get their their pay and then just leave them there um so i've actually been able to confirm on at least three sites that the mules were born there because some person had burrows and turned them loose and then the population would get to a certain point and then the horses would just kill off the burrows, and now there's just all of these mules that are half Appalachia feral creature and half <laughs> BLM burrow. <laughs> that you know what that's, that's that's how that's how cryptids get made. Well, that's the thing. Like everyone always wants to comment on my pictures or videos and stuff, and they're like, "Oh, I want a mule," and I was like, "No, you don't, girl. Like, trust that's, me, you don't." Listen, <laughs> listen, and and what and what. Yeah, and you know, in cold country, there's Mothman, and then there's hybrid BLM burrow mule. I I can tell you right now that I love mules, but unless I was getting like a feral bred mule, like literally, if I adopted a mare and she fold out a mule baby at my place, that is the only way I would ever consider getting like. A mule yeah, but then, you, but then you got to crazy. Yeah, but then you've got to. Then you've also got to take in consideration half the brain in that mule's bill and burrow. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. No, unless you could start laying hands on that thing, like thirty minutes out, you know, popped out yeah. onto the ground. 
because you know if you anymore. if you wait 30 minutes too long it's going to start throwing hands on you yeah pretty much there's so many people that ask about they call them mule stangs and they're like oh my god how mule often do you guys get mule no, stangs i would love to get that. one i'm like no no no, no you no. don't <laughs> no <laughs> Uh, you That's know what? Uh, no, what? See, but you, you're missing a golden opportunity with this, and you're missing an absolute golden opportunity with this. Let them get them, but the 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 thing they have to do before you will let them adopt one of those things is um, for you to be put in their will. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's an excellent idea. <laughs> leave, yeah. man. That that's a nice F three fifty and stock trailer there. You got to leave that to yeah. me with this. Yeah, you're going to tell you right now, before you can take this thing down, you got to sign a contract that I will be putting your will. What are you saying, Jess? You got to make sure one of the stipulations is that they don't leave you the mule sting in in their will. Yeah, no, 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 no. no. (laughs) I don't don't want the mule sting. I want the truck and trailer. (laughs) Yeah, mule mule sting. We'll, we'll, We'll just send that mule sting to Appalachia. No, yeah. <laughs> no more. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, those suckers are mean. I there was one. Um, well, that same old man with the snarled up nose. It's ancient. He about killed me once. There was an injured baby on site, and that mule had stayed with that baby for three days. Locals confirmed that it did not leave that mother and did not leave that baby. And by the time I came in, you know, that baby's leg was an elephant trunk infection, just was rampant. Um, So I threw a rope over the baby to get it caught uh, and get it in the trailer. And that mule, oh my gosh, he came hee-hawing up over the hill, ears laid back flat. I've got the baby on the end of the rope. I'm hollering back at the folks with me. I was like, I need someone to hold this baby or chase this mule because I cannot do both currently. (laughs) And I think that's something a lot of people don't, I know we keep harping on donkeys and mules, but I think that is one of the things that a lot of folks uh, don't realize when a lot of people say, well, they have a donkey or a mule of a livestock guardian is how serious donkeys yeah. and mules take the protection of a herd. They do. And, or, and even their person. Like if you were that mule's yeah. person, that mule will flip and die for you. It will yeah. throw, it will throw you and then stand in front of you to make sure whatever's coming after you won't eat That's you. That's how. All the jack mules in Appalachia, the the female, the mollies tend to be a little bit more like they are herd protectors, but more in an alert sort of way. Like they let the herd know they're like, this is sketchy, bye. And then they just leave. But those John mules, man, they, I mean, I've seen them pick up studs twice their size, shake them like a ragdoll, spit them out. I mean, it's wild. I've seen and coyotes. They will just oh, <laughs> eat coyote for breakfast. Yeah, Leroy, Leroy, Leroy. I think I've talked talked about it on here before too. Uh, Leroy, my little guy, he's just he's a stone cold killer. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's killed coyotes. He's killed stray dogs. Yeah. Any anything that comes in that fence is fair game. I don't let my dogs anywhere. If there is a mule present anywhere, I won't let them yeah. out of the truck. Well, and in, in in the mule, in in all fairness, in the in the mule's way of thinking, that's a predator. It is, and I would not blame them. I mean, it's what they do. It's their job. So it's my job to just make sure that my dogs are safe. That's right. (laughs) Mine uh, mine unfortunately killed my neighbor's dog. Oh, no. 
<laughs> he, but he was cool with it because he's like, well, he goes, I kept putting that asshole up. I, I, I buried wire under the ground so you couldn't dig out. And he kept finding a way and finding a way. And he goes, he found the last way, I guess. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry, man. And he goes, don't worry about it. He goes, he was somewhere he wasn't supposed to be. I said, I'll be, for, you know, and I would have never like shot his dog or anything like yeah. that for running my horses. I would have ran out there and just tried to get his dog. But uh, Leroy don't give warning shots, apparently. That's fair. <laughs> but yeah, And then we've had, uh, like I said, dad used to have quite a few donkeys and it was one of them. It was a dead, one of dad's studs actually alerted me when my red mare got got stuck in the fence and had sheared oh, wow. her, he had sheared her heel bulbs off and uh he was just he was just braying and braying and braying and braying and braying to the point like he was just out of breath yeah and uh and the only reason we knew is because when we pulled up we could just hear him we'd been going all day and we got there and it's just he's just going and going and going and he's just losing his voice like it's the craziest thing ever, but something was wrong. She was stuck. That was his girl. That was his friend. I love that. So that or he thought she was pretty and <laughs> No, I think mules are natural guardians. They truly are. And donkeys. They're I mean it's the same. I'm I'm pretty sure we can turn this into two episodes right here. Easy. We've, yeah we've covered feral horses and then mule talk that's true oh. anything else you guys want to talk about will we wrap her up I think we're pretty good I mean I would love to so. do probably another episode in the future but yeah I gotta get to cooking dinner oh what you making me <laughs> I haven't eaten nothing but a bowl, one one small bowl of mashed potatoes and a little bit of mac and cheese and some crackers in five days. I've been it's eating like... this muffin this whole podcast just in crumb form. <laughs> crumb at a time. Like, I still don't know if my stomach is quite ready for solid food. Mm. It's just, this flu has been the... Kids always bring home the worst stuff, too. Well, see, it's what was so bad? Children. Oh, yeah, like just they're always icky from everybody from school. But this didn't come from the kids. Is so we had a had a coworker, and I noticed he was not his typical go getter self. Like Tuesday afternoon, he just was like, "Man, are we done?" And I'm like, "No, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. We're not done." He's like, "Man, I'm just ready to get out of here today," you know. And uh, so anyway, end of the day, he, he didn't even usually hang around the shop for a little bit. He didn't hang around the shop. He went straight home. So the next morning, he calls in. Uh, he calls. No, that was Monday. Yeah. So he calls in on Tuesday and um, everyone was late coming in because they told us, hey, go vote in the morning. Whatever time you get to the shop, you get to the shop. So I got to the shop about 830 or so. And they're like, hey, by the way, he, you know, he called in. He said he's got the flu. And I'm like, oh, I could tell he was kind of off. And then I noticed that afternoon I was just tired, more tired than usual. And then I got home. And in fact, I was, I spent, when I got home, I had to call Cheyenne from Saratelli Hat Company. Shout out to Saratelli Hat Company. And I think I was on the phone with her. We're, 
finishing up a hat for me, plus talking about some other brands that uh, some people she knows and everything. We're on the phone maybe two and a half hours or so, and I started coughing. Like oh, during no. the during the phone call, and I'm like, "What is wrong? Am I, am I just talking so much? You know that I feel like I need because you know I do talk a lot, but uh, I just blew it off. I was laying there in bed, and then I just was like sweating. Oh no! I was like, "What is going on?" So I keep a thermometer in the nightstand because kids and. I grabbed a thermometer, and it's one of those that's like, it'll tell you the temperature, but it's green if you're down a fever, and red if you if it is a fever, or yellow if it's a low grade. That joker went, like, straight to red. And it was oh, like, no. Yeah, it was like, one oh, like 102 point something. I mean, it was like a radio station number. It was, you know, <laughs> you know my temperature was a radio station. It was a classic rock station at that point. And, I love um, that. So I was like, crap. So I didn't have nothing. I didn't have anything. And yeah. uh, I found some uh, low-dose aspirin. So that was all I had in the house at that point in time. So I think I popped like six low-dose aspirin. So. And my son, he came home um, Friday <laughs> early from sick, or from school sick. And I was like, ah, here we go. Like, yeah. just waiting. And then last night, I was laying there and I was like here we go <laughs> always like that meme on Facebook where it says uh I used to thought that I, I used to think that I had a really good immune system until I had kids and then I realized I was really good about not getting sneezed straight into the eyeball <laughs> <Yes. laughs> that's pretty much it like when, when you have when you have kids and they're in public school like it is Kids oh my are gosh. Gross. It's nasty. gross. You know, you get all of a sudden, you know, your kid gets sent home and uh, now they have these folders and all their work's in their folder. Notes from the mm -hmm. teachers are in these folders, everything else. And you flip it over and you look in there and all of a sudden, hey, by the way, there is a student suspected of lice. And you're like, <laughs> what the hell? So then you're going through your kid's hair and you're going and buying lice shampoo. Yeah. And if you don't find a thing. You're just still like, nope, you're getting this anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's just, oh my gosh. Johnny came home with a ringworm recently, and I was like, if you oh. touch any animal in this, any of our animals or pets before we can get this under control. I know. It was, it was ugh. You know, and then, Not about it. and, that, and that's, that's just on top of just dealing with your kids with other kids. Yeah. That is, that's a total, totally different pain in the butt right there. Someone other said, people's kids are the worst like i love my kids and my friends kids are really good but i'll i'll look at other children and i'm like I, I don't like kids i like my <laughs> child but yeah. i don't like one else's kids <laughs> I, I met like the most self-aware <laughs> child the other day i don't even remember where i was but this little kid like another little kid ran up to and she was like I'm sorry, I can't give you a hug. Mom says that I'm sniffly. And I was like, wow. I was like, I've never heard a child ever say that they didn't want to get close to anyone else because they were sick. Like, get on that parent. It's all children do. Well, that's, that, that's, that's another thing with kids is other parents. 
I can't. I can't, I can't with the mom <laughs> friends. I'm sorry, John Boy, but I can't with the mom friends. The the you know the 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 oh, the like so I got my daughter's birthday party coming up Saturday, and she's inviting all her little friends from school, which is great. That's fun. They can play, and they're gonna listen to. It's an '80s theme party for uh, Stranger Things. So they're going to be doing all of that stuff. And my, my oldest is nine. Or she'll be turning nine her birthday. And so they got all this stuff going on the whole time. I'm thinking, yeah, this would be great. It'd be all right. And then I'm like, parents. There's <laughs> other parents are going to be there. And there's this one particular parent, this one dad that's like, he gets there and he's just like, he's like, uh, he's like the general of all allied forces when he gets to a party. <laughs> Here, let me do this. I'll do that. Okay. Uh, how about you go do this and then this like that? And then and he's trying to boss all the kids around. And I just want to be like, oh my gosh. Please leave. Some people should really smoke marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> I love how that's just the conclusion you come to. <laughs> There's a lot of people that before they go out in public should just really just, just smoke marijuana. There's a lot of people before they get behind a keyboard should just yeah. they should just buy one of I don't buy one of those little THC vape pens, take a strong hit off of it, think really long and hard before the fingers touch the keys. Cause ninety percent of them be like, nah man, that's not worth it. I really don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, 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 hilarious at the stage. <laughs> like you take a lot of these a lot of the folks like we were talking about earlier with horses. You'd be like, here, hit this. <laughs> Give me 15 minutes. All right, and then tell me what you think. Yeah. I don't know, man. I see what you're saying, man. I know. I mean, I mean, I got I got my own thing, man. I, I, I you know, but I, I get it. I, I kind of get what you're saying, man. You know, you know, really, you know, it's the horses at the end that we really care about, right, man? <laughs> you got any Doritos? <laughs> No, but you should sell this horse and go and buy some. (laughs) Some people's horses just smoke marijuana. Let's just be honest. It's a big thing in Maryland right now. Like, all of the Maryland horses are on CBD, and I'm like, maybe you as an owner should partake in some CBD. So I met, met, and Jess knows the people really good. Uh, I met a company that do um, CBD stuff for horses. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know... In a world full of people that still think Mare Magic does something, <laughs> I'm on board with some of the CBD stuff with horses. Especially I'm definitely with, more than most things on the market. Especially as especially as like a training aid or yeah. an aid for transport and stuff like that, or uh, horses that have appetite issues or yeah. like what were y'all using it for, Jess? We had a severe cribber. <laughs> And it, it all the time, and it just uh, it worked for a while, and then it didn't work. So uh, it was nice at first. She built I mean, up her immunity, is what it you, was. If you <laughs> smoke three packs a day, and somebody gave us, I don't know, for some reason we had like a bottle of CBD oil in the cabinet from before I even started working here, and one of the girls was like, "Can we try this?" And I was like, oh, "Sure, whatever. It's in the cabinet." Go for it. I mean, you got to think of it. The worst thing that could happen is they get squirts or something. Yeah, it, for him it made for him it made a pretty big difference at first. Um, 
He probably it probably cut his cribbing in by like eighty percent. Yeah, but that's it's, huge for a cribber. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it did, it did. It was awesome. Um, for a while, it worked for a few <laughs> months. It stopped working. It's probably a tolerance thing. He just learned to be like cribbing's is cool. Yeah, <laughs> all all the cool horses are cribbing. But he's like a, se- a severe cribber. Like you can't like cribbing collars don't work. Ben, uh, my saddle bread was that way. Cribbing collar work. Uh, the no chew spray doesn't work. Hot sauce doesn't work. It's just like whatever, whatever. You're like, I, you're like twenty five at this point. Just do what you want. I found. Yeah, he's not gonna. He's, he's, he's not gonna. Collar off because everything in his stall is lined with like um with metal, so it's not like he's chewing up the, like he's not ruining the boards or anything. Cause it's metal. The, he's ruining, but. Uh, <laughs> whatever yeah I f- the uh i found a, a a good cure good instant cure for cribbing oh. boop that nose it doesn't matter he'd he'd he'd, he'd go through ben i don't know you could boot ben 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 would just like <gasps> you hit me how dare you and then you go to the next post and crib on it i literally want to like, oh that was your post my bad i'll just go to this one edit this out of your podcast but i would genuinely love to just like put a dog shot collar on him and like every time he Oh, oh no, we're we're keeping that in. But no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, it's I, he actually. But he's stopped. But he also has a lot of gut issues, so I'm sure that that's like a large part of it. But whatever, he's a billion years old, and so I don't know. The shot colors have vibration functions. Exactly. I just like to. He would get a. He's this horse is is ridiculously <sighs> smart. Like. Anything that you figure Listen, out. If okay. he's that determined to crib, you could plug a but, shot collar into a 110 outlet. And he, he's just not going to stop. Nah. His mane yeah. and tail would be standing on end and he'd just be chewing that stall door. So, yeah, he's been doing it like most of his life. And I was like obsessive about trying to get him to stop. And it, it, it just it just at this yeah. point, slow him to do his thing. So, well, guys, it has been a great, great, great episode. So I know Sarah's got to cook dinner. Aaron looks cold. <laughs> Jess looks I'm just tired. Jess, listen, I know you got the. I'm sorry, you're getting the flu. Yeah, Sarah's got to cook. Sarah's got to cook dinner for her and Mister Waddell. He's hungry. He's getting that hungry look on his face. He, he's been buckarooing all day. He yeah, woman. It's been cold out too. It it has been cold. Yeah, I know he's hungry. He's tired. He's hungry. You're over here talking to some strange dude on the internet. And he don't want to know why dinner's good. You got to come over and hit me right in the face. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so guys, thank you so very much for listening. I want to thank our sponsors. Uh, herd of zebras head on over to herd of of zebras.com use my code j ryan and get 10 percent off there today also audibletrial.com forward slash j ryan get a free audiobook on me um saratelli hat company Dakova's boots all of those folks that you heard earlier in the show on behalf of sarah waddell Aaron O'Neill and Jessamine Rice. I am J. Ryan Chastain, and we will catch you guys next time.